Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly, with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot Um, and finds the net! On TalkSport 2. Hello, hello, and welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Implications at the top and bottom of the WSL table as Manchester City move into the Champions League places at the expense of Arsenal, while United go top. Manchester United are through, Garcia right hand edge, crosses, an own goal! Manchester United back in front straight away, would you believe it? A win for Leicester gives them momentum in the fight for relegation and it's been a good couple of days for Jordan Nobbs, the late call up to the England squad topped off with a hat-trick for Aston Villa. What a fantastic finale we have as Nobbs launches a shot from distance, a hat-trick! For Jordan Nobbs, that is her quality summed up in one strike. Bit of an England special for you, actually, ahead of the Arnold Clark Cup. Lionesses boss Serena Wiegmann and director of technical Kay Cossington look ahead to the tournament and the Women's World Cup. Plus, we'll hear from former England midfielder and queen of the jungle, Jill Scott. It was a great experience. I think one that I probably didn't prepare for. I think I was just like, oh, next week I'm heading into the jungle. So it was tough. There was tough moments. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Others. I'm Mary Earps. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Happy Monday, you lovely lot. How's your weekend? I hope you've uh, filled it full of football. The wonderful uh, Molly Hudson, Times football writer, joins me. How you doing, Mol? I'm okay, thank you. I had a lovely trip to Germany last week. Now I'm back. The football's back. I'm excited. I was just going to say, were you checking out the opposition ahead of the World Cup or were you actually just uh, having a few steins? Uh, yeah, I can't see. I can't say there were many football stadiums that I saw. Let's put it that way. <laughs> the steins then, in that case. Uh, right, let's start in North London, shall we? Looking at the WSL. TalkSport had live commentary of Manchester United's 2-1 win over Spurs and it was a fiery encounter at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's a big stage for a big encounter and for Manchester United, of course, the chance to go top of the league. Paris has made a double interception and now Toon is in the penalty area. Clear right of centre, shoots low, hits the post. And Manchester United goes so close to the opening goal. Batcher, who skips beyond Harrop, tries a right-footed cross over the head of Russo. Galton from close range puts it in. 
Manchester United finally leads, and it's Manchester United who are heading for the top of the table. Really, really good finish from Leo Goulton, and they really needed that. England corner of the penalty area. Is she going to drive in field? She is. Right-footed shot! Wonderful goal! Beth England for Tottenham! It is a devastating blow for Manchester United. What a game it's been. Manchester United are through. Garcia right-hand edge crosses! An own goal! Manchester United back in front straight away and they are heading to the top of the table. Unbelievable. Tottenham 1, Manchester United 2. Wow, what is going on? Tillman just scoops it forward. She was fouled caught late and Ella Toon shoves her to the ground and the referee's going to have a decision to make here. The Spurs fans chant off-off and it is a red card for Toon. That's the final whistle. Manchester United have won it and they are top of the Women's Super League. They have never won the title, but maybe, just maybe, 2022-2023 could be the year for Manchester United. And Manchester United win it by two goals to one. So proud. Those are like the Arsenal experiences where you have that resilience. We all know you can't play the best football for the, all of your, your minutes that you play, but to have the ways in which to win. When, and we get more comfortable that when we even, you know, when we go down to 10 players, we have the ability to see the game out because of our experiences. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so proud of every individual, every squad member, every staff member, because, you know, it's a, it's a really vital win today. Obviously, we're, we're really disappointed. We felt that we worked really hard. We felt that we had really strong belief and confidence throughout the course of the game, managed the threats very well. And, and ultimately, we obviously got ourselves back into the game. Um, I think in that moment, obviously, we, we've switched off for the kickoff, which has created us a, a problem. Um, but overall, I think the performance of the team was was exceptional. You obviously heard the thoughts of both managers there, Rianne Skinner and Mark Skinner, and fantastic commentary as well from our team who were at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Joe Shannon and Leanne Sanderson. And actually, Molly, Rianne Skinner mentioned it there. They switched off at the kickoff. It was actually only 14 seconds that they led for Bethany England cracking goal, but then let down, unfortunately. Molly Bartrip um, on her haunches at the final whistle, knowing that they were so close to, to taking a point. Yeah, I think it's it's a real shame for Tottenham, and I think they'll be frustrated because I watched them against Chelsea the week before, and again, they were, they're, all, they're like so close. They're nearly there, and I think... This is the most ridiculous stat, but they have not put, picked up a single point in the Women's Super League since October the 30th, which, if you remember, was that crazy 8-0 victory. Um, and I don't know. It just It's frustrating because at times they're playing really well. They've brought in good signings. Bethany England has been fantastic again. Manic Wibucci has looked quite good, obviously, um, from Arsenal. But I think it's almost a credit to Manchester United that they had that worldly goal from Beth England. It didn't phase them. They they switched on. As much as Tottenham switched off, they switched on. And when are you always the most vulnerable to concede? After you've just scored. And I think, you know, that's the kind of game that in the past, a nil-nil first half, I think just before the, the first goal, Manchester United hit the post as well. They could have so easily got frustrated. It could have been points dropped. And that's what this season Manchester United have shown. 
they're just not dropping those points that you think they're in danger of dropping. Yeah, it's interesting actually. Listening to a lot of the the post match reaction, and and it certainly feels as if they're developing this winning mentality now, which perhaps has been lacking before. And I think you see as the final whistle blows, uh, Mark Skinner with a big big old fist pump there. You can see how much it means. And I think look. They've got players like Ella Toon, who, who obviously we'll come on to in a moment with the red card, but they've got players now that have got that um, experience on a batcher. Um, another great game from her, have played a played a big part in 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 that own goal. Um, so look, I think they're growing. We know they're not the finished product yet, but I think what we have seen this season is that a lot of the top teams aren't perfect. Even Chelsea, that have been fantastic this season. Nine times out of ten, I seem to speak to Emma Hayes after a game and she's not happy because they haven't played as well as maybe they could have done. So mm. I think this season, you need to be able to grind out a result when you don't play your very best. And that's definitely what Mark Skinner alluded to there, as we just heard, that sometimes that's a really valuable quality in a team and United showed that at the weekend. Mm. That probably the, the biggest stain on the game would be Ella Toon's red card. What did you make of that? You can't react like that in those kind of situations. It's very rare we see her lose her head like that, but she did. I think it was. I think it was just that momentary head loss, to be honest with you. I think you, you can see someone kind of traps her leg, it, it, whether she does that on purpose or whether it's sort of the coincidence of them both being on the ground and then Tooney reacts, right? Maybe she doesn't react in quite as bad a way as someone in holding her head looks like, but there is contact, contact there and she does push her to the floor. And we all know you can't do that. You're going to get sent off. So I think, as much as I think it's a red card, I think, look, someone probably made the most out of it. But you know what? How many times do we see that? It, it, like, it's not the end of the world. I think I've seen kind of a lot of people maybe overreacting to it a little bit. And I think, look, Ella Toon probably deserved the red card, but it was another test for United and they passed it. Could have implications though, missing games um, in, in what is a crucial season for Manchester United. As we said, back to the top of the league, a point above Chelsea, but they have played a game more. One quick last question on this, Molly. Are they fully in the title race now? When they dropped points last weekend, I think it was the weekend before last, um, I thought... This is the beginning of the end of this title charge. This is, they're dropping the points that we expected them to drop at some point. But you know what? So is everyone else. Mm. So I still think it's wide open. Yeah, it really is. And it's been made even more wide open with the result that happened on Saturday. Manchester City 2, Arsenal 1. City making their ambitions known for the title, meaning they replace Jonas Seidervall's side in the Champions League spots. It was a real statement win. Goals either side of the first half from Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly. Uh, Rafael Souza's header pulling one back for Arsenal, but to be honest, they never really looked like they were going to grab the equaliser. Let's hear from both managers now, starting with Manchester City's Gareth Taylor. Great celebrations. Every player out there today, whether they got on the pitch, whether they were subs and unused, Everyone really contributed today, even the players like Esme Morgan who were, weren't even on the, involved today. They create such a really good atmosphere here that um, everyone really celebrates together afterwards. I think we lost possession way too many times in the game, especially in very dangerous areas. Uh, so then if 
test the formation or if it's the positioning that we have at, at that time, we, we need to review that of course. But we, when you lose possession in those dangerous areas so many times, it's going to be very difficult to win football matches. Jonas Sanderveld is exactly right there. It is going to be tough for them. But let's focus on City first of all. Uh, gutsy was what uh, Gareth Taylor also said. Lauren Hemp scored her 50th WSL goal and she believes that they can win the league. What say you, Molly Hudson? I don't know about win the league. I think that might be a little bit optimistic at this stage. But as we just said, so many top teams are dropping points that they are in the race, I think it's fair to say. I think it's more Champions League because they had such a poor start to the season. It looked as though that sort of hope had gone. But what we've seen so often with City, and actually it was, it's almost a mirror image of last season too, they struggle at the start of the season, then they get it together and they manage to go on these big long runs where... They're playing really well. And what impressed me the most was, yes, Arsenal were very poor, particularly in the first half. I think that was clear. But it's really the way that Manchester City played. And it was the same in the Continental Cup final just three days earlier. Continental Cup game just three days earlier. They've got a style of play now. They look more confident. They look like those players are gelling. I know we, we talked at the start of the season. They had such a big outlay of players losing the likes of Kira Walsh. Yui Hasegawa was incredible against Arsenal. You know, real real talent in that midfield. And I think now it, it looks as though they've had that time to really blend together. And now it is coming to fruition. And I have to give a quick shout out to Chloe Kelly, who I know, having interviewed her earlier in the season, actually really struggled mentally after the Euros, having scored that goal. She was still struggling to get back from her ACL. We all know that's a really long recovery. She, she, she wasn't quite fully fit at the start of the season. And now to see her back having a huge impact on games is just fantastic to see. It's going to be fascinating, actually, because they still have to play again Chelsea, Arsenal and Manchester United. So fascinating times ahead. And actually, you know, there's been a lot of criticism for Gareth Taylor and what he's been doing at Manchester City. And, you know, you cannot fault him at the moment from what he's getting from from his team. Arsenal, though, worrying times, drawn twice and lost once in their last three matches, five points off the top now. Serious danger as well of missing out on, on, on the Champions League. Look, I think uh, I tweeted it at the time and, and maybe got a little bit of flack, but I think if you're going to be so public about wanting to get a striker and then don't get one, you're relying on the strikers that you clearly said weren't good enough because you needed a new striker. So I think that's sort of the position that, that Arsenal are in. Look, I think they've they've probably got enough quality. It's just that the confidence is so low at the moment. Mm. And I think... It's just been a difficult run and we get these so often in the Women's Super League. You seem to have these strange patches where you face all of the top teams in a really short space of time and it can really make or break your season. And at the moment, it's not been the best time for Arsenal to have that run of games. I think, again, you can't write anyone off. Everyone's dropping points and I think they just have... It's the confidence. That's the main thing at Arsenal right now. They just need that confidence. Going to need that confidence as well because they drew Bayern Munich in the quarterfinal of the of the Champions League. Chelsea drew Lyon, by the way. Not not the kind draw that we were hoping for, for the two English sides left in the competition, that's for sure. Uh, right, coming up, we're going to go through the rest of the WSL and Championship results. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly. That is... Is absolute top quality on Talksport 2. 
This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Ruthers, Times football writer Molly Hudson is alongside me. Let's continue our analysis of the WSL from this weekend. Brighton 2, Aston Villa 6. Carla Ward's side move up to 5th. They drew one all with Brighton just over a week ago, but this performance certainly a statement of intent. Uh, Brighton led after just three minutes, thanks to Yulia Ziggy. Ziggyotti Olmer's header goals from Lucy Staniforth and Kirsty Hansen as well turning things back round for Villa Jordan Knowles made it 3-1 after 23 minutes and Brighton looked a little bit shell-shocked fair to say they capitulated completely Daly and Nobbs made it 5-1 at half time and then a controversial penalty just after uh, the break made it 5-2 before Nobbs got her hat-trick and the match ball and arguably the best goal of the day with a shot from distance. Uh, let's hear from both managers, shall we? Starting with Brighton boss Jens Schuer, who was disappointed his side couldn't capitalise on that early lead. Maybe we started too good. Uh, then we are, yeah, struggled with the, in a lot of situations. Second phase, we were all, always the second winner. So many balls uh, uh, yeah, in the midfield we, we can't catch and... Uh, so, um, yeah, Villa come back. Only uh, one team played uh, football. We rolled out the same 11 because we wanted to see a reaction. Last week wasn't good enough, we all know that. Um, and they delivered today, absolutely they delivered. Everyone was on it, I've just said to them at the end, it's a complete team performance that today. And the players that came on, we've made five changes for the first time this season. Um, but overall, listen, I'm, I'm so pleased with the entire squad today. Yeah, it was a real squad performance from, from Aston Villa. We'll get on to Jens Schuer's uh, comments shortly, Molly. But Jordan Nobbs, not included in Serena Wiegmann's original Lionesses squad for the Arnold Clark Cup. But Frank Kirby withdrew, so she was called up, turned, to, uh, turned up at St George's Park earlier on today. Felt like she had a point to prove and, and basically proved it yesterday. What a weekend. What a weekend for Jordan Nobbs. And I think, actually, I'm sure I saw her earlier saying that it was the first ever hat-trick she'd got in the Women's Super League which seems crazy because of how long she's been at Arsenal um, but look I think she's a fantastic player and I think we said when the signing was announced uh, of course there was a big part of that move that was trying to get into that England squad and I think that's exactly what she's done with the way that she's played so far I think she's been solid but then this weekend really showed the goal threat that Jordan Nobbs can bring and actually I think we have Georgia Stanway there for England that has that ability box to box midfielder can get a long range goal but it's an area we don't really have depth for England and I think I, I was a bit disappointed that Jordan maybe wasn't in the original squad because I think she probably did deserve it and I think this weekend just shows exactly what she is capable of mm, I love what this Aston Villa side are capable of actually and Carla Ward said that and I'm quite excited for them um, next season really because I've been frustrated as you heard there from Carla Ward's comments with the last couple of games where they haven't shown the quality that, w that we know that they have against certain teams but one side perhaps not necessarily showing their quality is Brighton and I find it really fascinating what Jens Schuer said only one team played football I mean that's pretty damning isn't it when you think about it and really worrying to not have the resilience to withstand the game turning around so quickly but, but equally they're a young side I think that's that's the key thing that resilience and I think again it probably comes down to confidence because he said in that audio that he felt like they'd almost started too well but I think that shows that once they'd scored 
they wasn't confident enough to go on and score more. They were too worried about conceding, which is then ultimately exactly what happened. And it often is the case. So I think we've talked in the past about the need for Brighton to obviously rebuild. We know they, they were in a difficult period under Hope Powell. And obviously Jens has has come in in, in quite a, you know, pretty busy schedule need to get those points on the board and I think it's not going to happen overnight the problem is as I'm sure we're going to get onto that little safety cushion that was once there between them and Leicester rapidly disappearing there is no safety cushion uh, anymore really I mean there's there's more of a safety cushion for Brighton than there is for Reading but Liverpool nil Leicester won first time these sides have ever met in the WSL uh, Leicester continuing the great escape huge win over Liverpool thanks to Hannah Kane's goal in the 8th minute leaving them a point from safety with a game in hand over Reading who sit just above them by the way they play each other on the 2nd of April which could be if the trajectory stays like this could be very very interesting um Willie Kirk uh, said afterwards I, I saw written down what what he spoke to journalists about that everybody had written them off but he certainly hasn't done and I think it's fair to say we have all had all written them off and he's really turned you come on I come on we, did we not say the great escape could be on if they got points early and then we they did s- we said this last week and the week before however I'll just take you back to round about September October Molly Hudson where we basically had relegated them so I'm not going to let you off on that because I'll find the audio to prove it um, but it, it really does look like it's on now they've got momentum I think Willie Kirk really has turned things around there and we know his calibre as a women's Super League manager. And I think we all sort of thought, well, if they are down, why has he sort of gone there? What's that going to do for his reputation as, you know, a, a really respected manager? And I think what he's proven is he clearly saw something there. There was potential, you know, they, they, they weren't a lost cause and he certainly proved that. And I think I saw, I have to mention, an absolutely fantastic save from Rachel Laws. It, it could have been more to Leicester a fantastic long-range effort that she saved onto the bar and then it got cleared. So I think, look, Leicester just seemed completely transformed and I think part of that is down to Willie Kirk. Part of it is some of the signings that they brought in January. Um, We've talked in the past about their goalkeeper's been very good in this period. And I think, look, uh, they've got the momentum and that can often go a long way because there there was that cushion. They were a little bit cut off from the rest of the table and now that simply isn't there any longer and that has to give them huge, huge confidence going into this latter part of the season. Big March coming up for them. Manchester United is their next game in the WSL. Uh, Then Everton, then Aston Villa and then that game at the beginning of April against Reading. Huge March coming up for Willie Kirk and his side. Liverpool did have chances. We uh, kind of thought they were out of the relegation battle. They've now got four po- five points even more than Leicester. Uh, perhaps not as safe as, as we thought. Yeah, I think, again, because Leicester was so cut off, it felt like Brighton were only the only team they could really reach. And in a matter of two weeks, that has completely turned on its head. And I think it just shows that when you only have a 12-team league, you only need to pick up a couple of points and suddenly that table looks completely, completely different. And I think in Liverpool's case, not getting those points is is the same. It does the same. It, it, it puts them in danger, although I think still, I think they've got enough. 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And actually, the championship is just as interesting as the WSL because the WSL hotting up at the top and the bottom of the table. And uh, top and bottom is also hotting up in the championship. Bristol City and London City Lioness is now level on 30 points at the top. Bristol came out on top in their midweek rearranged fixture. Uh, both sides won at the weekend as well. London City beating Birmingham by a goal to nil. And Bristol City 2-0 winners against Lewis. at Southampton only four points behind them as well. A narrow 1-0 win away to Sunderland for them. Uh, elsewhere, Coventry gave themselves a lifeline at the bottom, beating Blackburn 3-1. Three goals inside the opening 20 minutes, but... They'll have been disappointed to see relegation rivals Sheffield United get three points at home to Charlton. So Coventry still five points adrift. Uh, Elsewhere, Crystal Palace beat Durham by a goal to nil. Uh, You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with Faker Others and Molly Hudson. Next, we're going to look ahead to the Arnold Clark Cup and hear from Lioness's boss, Serena. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Beekman. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal! The home for women's football. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Ruthers, and Molly Hudson from The Times. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the Talk Sport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Uh, now, Serena Wiegmann announced her 26-player squad to face Korea Republic. I 
Italy and Belgium in the Arnold Clark Cup. Headlines are first senior call-up for Emily Ramsey, who has had a very good season on loan at Everton. Manchester City midfielder Laura Coombs has her first call-up since 2020. The last time she actually played for England competitively was back in 2015. Uh, big players who made moves to try and get into the squad missing out, though. Bethany England and Lucy Staniforth mainly. And Jordan Nobbs originally missed out, as we mentioned earlier, but with Frank Kirby dropping out, she was included and has arrived for camp today after yesterday's hat-trick for Aston Villa. Uh, what do you make of the squad, Molly? I think it's it's a good squad. I think there's quite a few sort of areas where maybe players have been in recent form but maybe haven't been in form the entire season. So I think it was quite interesting to see that obviously Jordan wasn't in the initial squad, obviously called up now after Fran's injury. Beth England was probably the big one for me that I did think had probably done enough. She's had such a good start to her Tottenham career that I felt like she probably deserved a call-up. I spoke to her after the Chelsea game a couple of weeks ago and she said she was really working on not just her goal scoring but her all-round play. Is she holding the ball up enough? Is she you know, running hard enough? She was really clear that she wanted to make sure when she got in that England squad, she really deserved it. And I think she, she, it seemed like she was really mature in that approach. So hopefully it won't knock her confidence. Maybe the next uh, window with the finalists, of course, on the horizon in April. Maybe that will be one more for her. I think the Arnold Clark Cup in general may be a little bit disappointing with the teams we're playing this time compared to last year, which obviously was massive nations. Um, but I think it'll be good to, good to see England again. We know... Before Christmas, there's a lot of injuries towards the end and everyone was just, I think, ready for a bit of a break. So I think it'll be good to see it reset now and, and see what England can do in these games. Yeah, very much so. Let's hear the thoughts, shall we, of uh, Lioness's boss, Serena Wiegmann. I sat down with her after that squad announcement and she said she can't wait to be re- reunited with her Lionesses. I'm very excited. Also because I haven't seen the team uh, in about three months so it's really good to come together again uh, to look forward and um, to play three matches you know you can try out some things uh, can see a lot of players we can try out some combinations of players and we also have to manage load of course but um, yes I'm excited and looking forward to it Obviously, the last time you saw a lot of the players was at glitzy award ceremonies and, <laughs> and various other things, yeah, certainly yeah, not true. in, in tracksuits and normal, and normal wear. Um, when you're looking at the, the World Cup and kind of getting back to business, if you like, we've sat down and spoken on a number of occasions, and especially at the end of, of last year, about the new expectation on these players now and this kind of new commercial world that yeah. they're dealing with. Is there anything that you've put in place additionally and different to what you had before to help them to, to cope with all the additional attention? Um, no, well, we, like, we, we do lots of things, of course, on pitch. We do some things off pitch. And one of the things we also talk about before for a tournament, that's what we did last year too, managing expectations. So, you know, the world around the players, around the team has changed in a very positive way. But there also come things on, on their part that that could distract. They could use the momentum too because it's very exciting things too. Uh, and at the end, you know, you can you can do a couple of things, but it starts with performance. And we have to really sustain performing at the highest level and try to do a couple of things too that really, you know, that, that inspire them too or, 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 you know, they really feel attached to. Uh, we talk about those things. And also if someone 
just need some support in any way. Uh, we're trying to do that, and also that's also set in place at clubs. So we also talk to clubs, of course. But uh, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, so I think I think it's quite important, and it seems like you know it's a really grounded group that you've put together in, in the first place. But Alessia Russo obviously has grabbed headlines yes. um, everywhere on on transfer deadline day yep. in, in particular. I know that you watched her against Everton at, at the weekend, and, and you've been in constant contact with all the players. Um, what have you spoken to Alessia about in terms of what that kind of attention might do to a to a player like her going out to the World Cup? Yeah, well, that, that will come, like a, a proper conversation will come next week. We, we've talked about this several times. Um, that We always want to bring back, you know, enjoy that moment. It was very special what we've done. Uh, we left a legacy and that's not just winning the tournament. Well, it's not, it's not, it's very special to win the tournament, but, but so many things came with winning the tournaments. And so we talk about those things all the time. And whenever they need support, we will, we'll help them. And at the end, we have to bring it back and keep it actually really simple. It's about playing and training as good as you can and, um, and, and doing your task and, and work together as a team. Really interesting chatting to, to Serena Wiegmann again, Molly, because I think she's been very keen and Kay Cosington as well, uh, the FA's um, Women's Director of Technical, about the fact that they almost need to... They've celebrated the, the Euros victory and now it's concentrating on preparing for the World Cup. And that's very much the focus. They've not won the World Cup. They've only won the Euros only. And, you know, Serena said it there, but that's a winning mentality to to have, I would say. But it is a different world that they're existing in now. New attention on the WSL, new attention as they go into a, to a World Cup in in July. And, and I think it's really important, but perhaps you and I have spoken and you mentioned just there about the standard of opposition that they're going to be playing against in the Arnold Clark Cup. Maybe that's actually quite important for them to, to be playing um, teams that are... FIFA ranked within 10 to 20 I think they are compared to what it was last year and that expectation because it's something a little bit different I think the one thing with this opposition is that it will probably replicate what we're going to see a lot in the summer which is teams are going to sit back and defend now we're no longer the ones chasing the big teams we are a big team legitimately they've won a tournament people are going to look at England and be scared of those players and that causes new problems. As as great as it is that you know we won the Euros, but we we see it in domestic football all the time. When you're then the one that's out there to to be taken shots at, everyone's looking at that game as like, wow, we can make a real statement here and beat the European champions. And that's the way it's going to be every game of this Arnold Clark Cup, every day, every game until the World Cup, during the World Cup. And I think that's going to take a little while to adjust to. It's going to be that England will probably have a lot of possession. They're going to have to be patient. They're going to have to find a way to get through these teams. And I think, you know, it's been three long months without hearing the calmness of Serena Wiegmann. <laughs> Nobody can get carried away when you listen to Serena talk in interviews like that. She's, she's not going to allow that to happen. But subconsciously, of course, lives have changed. We saw Chloe Kelly, Leah Williamson... Manchester City v Arsenal, a few hours later, they're at the Brits. You know, that, that life really has changed and that's fantastic. That's hugely positive. But of course, that does also impact you as a person too. Yeah, it really does. Um, it's a humble group of of players, as I said to Serena. But, you know, expectation is, is huge. And we saw what happened in that opening match against Austria in the... Um, 
in the uh, Euros, uh, how that did affect them. I'm glad they've gone through that experience because it will help them going forward. Um, she also spoke about the fact that because they have China in their in their group in um, in Australia, that actually playing Korea Republic is quite helpful because there's a similar culture and style to their football that they'll be able to, to play against. And she talked a lot about the combinations that she'll be able to have with this group of players looking forward to the World Cup. And that's quite vital as well, actually. I think we're going to see quite a lot of tinkering in these three games. Yeah, I think, as you say, it's that specific style that I think England probably don't have much time to usually play against. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, e- even even from the Euros, we forget that quite a lot has changed in that short space of time because Ellen White was always the starting striker. We're still relatively new to having Alessia Russo leading that line to find out what we have to back up Russo if, if Russo gets injured or if she doesn't play every minute of every game, which we don't expect her to do so. So I think there is a lot of tinkering still to be had and I think it, it is a good opportunity, I suppose, to play teams that you maybe do have a little bit more wriggle room than maybe one of the very, very top teams in the world. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating and TalkSport have live commentary across the network of all three of the Lionesses Arnold Clark Cup matches uh, starting on Thursday night. England versus Korea Republic, that's at Stadium MK and it's on TalkSport, build up from 7, kick off at 7.45. Now looking ahead to the World Cup, some really interesting news came out this week Uh, and while the Arnold Clark Cup takes place here, the She Believes Cup will be happening in the US and Olympic gold medalists Canada will take part in it despite planning to strike because of concerns over funding cuts and lack of pay equity According to Canada captain Christine Sinclair, they've called off the strike because of threats of legal action by Canada Soccer. Let's find out a little bit more about the situation from Equaliser Soccer journalist Harjeet Yohal, who's based out in Canada. How are you doing, Har? I'm doing great. How are you doing? We're really well, thank you very much. Um, Listen, for anybody who doesn't really know what's been going on, um, what more can you tell us about this dispute? Yeah, so on Friday, uh, Canada Soccer, the players, they came out and they detailed uh, the funding cuts that they're facing in terms of players they can have in camp, uh, staff, youth activity, you know, even flying business class. And they're saying, you know, the men's team did not have this leading up to the World Cup last year. You know, why are we being treated like this? Why is this happening to us as we prepare for a World Cup? So then, you know, they've taken job action. And Canada Soccer responded by threatening to hit them with a lawsuit. And they don't have the money there to go and fight in legal in court. So, you know, they're going to play at the She Believes Cup under protest while this goes on behind the scenes. So we'll see how they can put it aside if they can and play against the U.S. and Brazil and Japan and what's going to be a tough tournament for them. Yeah, it it sounds like a real mess out there. And, and you mentioned the, the Women's World Cup. How is that going to affect their preparations? It's going to affect their preparations immensely because, as I mentioned, they can't bring the amount of players as they would like and staff. But then one of the things they detail is not having a home game in Canada, a send-off game in April to go before they go to the World Cup. And Canada hardly plays any games in Canada as it is just three last year, and they haven't played in Canada since June 26th. So the team doesn't play at home. You know, they deserve a send-off game. And uh, Canada Soccer detailed, they know that's not going to happen. So that preparation is huge because they want to play in front of their home fans and heading to the World Cup in Australia. 
this is an opportunity for them to play at home and to show the fans what they can do. And you have this looming over them behind the scenes. It really impacts, you know, the players and the fans and everyone involved. Is it a real frustration, Har, that actually the, the Canadian women's team are, are playing fantastically? Obviously, we saw them at the Tokyo Olympics get that gold medal. This is the time, is it not, that they should be capitalising on that and pushing that? And it seems as though it's going in the opposite direction. Yes, exactly. Spot on. You know, they're the Olympic champs. You know, they're playing fantastic. They've got a great team. Uh, Beth Pressman's really come in and played a defensive approach first, and it's really working for Canada. And they, this is the best they've played since, you know, since I've been covering the team. So it's really hurting to see that they're, you know, they're treated like second-class athletes when you compare it to what the men's national team had in the run-up to the World Cup. So it definitely hurts them on the field and off the field, and you have to imagine that going into the World Cup, they're not going to be at the best preparation they can have when these cuts are looming. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's there's much more to come from this and, and we'll see whether any kind of statement protest is made during the, the She Believes Cup. And I'm sure we'll speak to you over the coming months, Har. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. That was Harjeet Johal from Equaliser Soccer. Um, really poor situation going on in Canada and the worst preparation possible uh, for the team heading into the World Cup. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Molly Hudson is with me. Coming up, we're going to look at how the FA are improving the player pathway and hear exclusively from former Lioness midfielder and Queen of the Jungle, Jill Scott. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others. I'm Molly Hudson from The Times. We are available on podcast as well. Don't forget, I mean, you can't forget because I tell you every single week, I drum it into you. Uh, so many places you can download us, but first head to the TalkSport app. You can find us there. Obviously, you can subscribe elsewhere as well. Of course, the choice is yours. Uh, now then, we've talked a lot on the show about the need to improve how England unearthed the best talent and make football accessible to girls everywhere no matter where they live or what their backgrounds are and the FA has announced a revamped player pathway to try and discover the best talent in England while making the game more diverse, accessible and inclusive. Our reporter Bradley Hayden sat down with the FA's Director of Technical Kay Cossington who explains more. Our ambition is to create a pathway that's inclusive and accessible for every young girl in England. I think what we've tried to articulate today is how that fits and sits within the women's pathway and where that actually works and what the holistic model around that actually looks like. Um, how we want to use our emerging talent centres as an opportunity to reach every girl possible between the ages of 8 and 16 should they show signs of potential but also how we want to introduce our, introduce our uh, professional game academies that really looks at enhancing um, the delivery to our players from 14 to 21 um, alongside a club model that is right and fit for purpose for that particular club and I think one of the key messages I've tried to articulate it's not a one size fits all um, there's different ways of doing things that's right for the women's game but also right for every individual that's within that system and, and potentially too right for indi each individual club that has different ambitions, different resources, um, different infrastructure. So I think 
what the pathway allows is flexibility and adaptability, but ultimately to meet the needs of creating a more diverse playing pool of homegrown players. And for our listeners who aren't aware what an emerging talent centre is, can you give them an idea of what it is and what you're doing to, to increase those up and down the country? Yeah, absolutely. So an emerging talent centre in essence is like a player development centre, so it encourages young girls to stay and play local within their clubs, reducing travel time and increasing playing time within a club that's best suited to them and their needs and their development but an opportunity to come in for additional enhanced training um, where there'll be technical coaches, technical syllabus, physical syllabus that help support those young players through that journey um, from 8 to 16 years of age. Um, it also ensures that we have a reach across the country of 70 different environments engaging over 4,000 players um, as an opportunity for those girls to come into the system. It runs a 30-week programme throughout the year, again um, compensating for school holidays and, and making sure that we adhere to opportunities for young families to go away um, to with their, their own families um, and really provides an education tool around what's required um, for young girls in terms of talent and performance but most importantly it allows them to have fun it allows them to stay connected to the game um, provide an opportunity of challenge that's right for them the FA's director of technical K Cossington, Cossington there speaking to to Bradley Hayden and that is vital fun isn't it it shouldn't just always be about you know being the absolute best getting to the to, to the top of the tree you've also got to have fun with it whilst also from an England point of view hopefully unearthing some fantastic talent yeah, I think it's it's been a long time coming because I think what we've seen over the past couple of years is this huge acceleration of the real top of the women's game, whether that's the Women's Super League, being professional and having these, you know, million pound broadcast deals, England winning a major trophy. What we've probably realised while being hugely grateful for all of that success is that actually underneath that, it wasn't quite prepared. And I think you don't see as many players as you should coming through academies and making it really big for the big clubs and you know England and I think this hopefully will go a long way to sort of joining up those structures I think it's almost like a little jigsaw and maybe you had the pieces but they weren't quite joined up previously and hopefully this will mean that for a young girl going into that system it's really clear what she needs to do whether she wants to play for fun or whether she wants to go on and become, you know, the next Leah Williamson. Absolutely. Or Jill Scott, because Bradley's been busy this week and again looking at facilities for young girls as part of her work with the Football Foundation. Former Lioness Jill Scott opened up a pitch in her own name at Perth Green in Jarrow. 23 sites across England will be named after each of the Lionesses who won the Euros. And as well as being a European champion, do not forget, Jill is also the reigning queen of the I'm a Celebrity Jungle and Bradley asked about her experience on the show. Yeah, it was a great experience. I think one that I probably didn't prepare for. I think I was just like, oh, next week I'm heading into the jungle. So it was tough. There was tough moments, obviously challenges, and um, you don't get a lot of food in there. And as an athlete, I'm used to eating a lot of food. So, yeah, it was just a good experience. I can't even believe it happened, really, but made some really good friends um, that I can kind of take into the future, and, and that's the main thing. Was it how you expected it to be? Because I remember Harry Redknapp coming into the Talk Sports studios after he won won it a few years ago, and he was saying he was asking for all of the, the assistant producers to help him put some put some money on all the horses, and no one was giving him any any tips or any insight of of who won if he'd won any money. 
No, I think what you see on TV is actually what it's like. I think people thought they were feeding us chocolate and giving us little snacks. And me and Owen were desperate to know um, the World Cup scores as well, but they wouldn't tell us absolutely anything. So you really are just shut off from the, the outside world, which in some cases can be quite nice, not being on your mobile phone, not having technology. But yeah, um, exactly what you see on TV is exactly what it's like. What, what do you think of our, of our chances going into that tournament later this year? Do you think that's team will be determined to add another trophy to the cabinet after after winning the Euros last year. You know what? Now I'm not playing. I don't have to sit on the fence and be like, yeah, we're going in, we're confident, but there's going to be a lot of a lot of strong teams. I'm telling you, we're going to win it. We're going to win it. I'm saying it now, England to win the World Cup. Well, if Jill, Jill Scott said it, Molly Hudson, then we're going to win the World Cup. Can't argue with Jill Scott, can you? She's, she's won everything. Won the jungle. Won the Euros. Got to win the World Cup. She's winning life, isn't she? I actually saw her literally a few days after she'd stepped out of the jungle when she came to the um, uh, quarterfinal out in Qatar and she was working for ITV Sport and gave me a big hug and she was like, I said, how was it? She went, surreal. I still can't believe it actually happened and I can't believe I'm stood here in Doha <laughs> about to watch England in a quarterfinal at a World Cup. It's just been such a whirlwind six or seven months for her, hasn't hasn't it? But, you know, when we're talking there about player pathways and and, you know, being able to see the influence that these players have nowadays. Somebody like Jill Scott transcending, you know, not just football, bringing young, young girls into that, but the showbiz world then as well, which has another, you know, whole load of legion of fans. You know, it's really important that there's that crossover. And I think Jill Scott is almost the perfect person because of what she went through at the start of her career, how far she had to travel just to get to a club. Um, hopefully that's a thing of the past now. And I'm sure... Jill would be the first to say, I'm quite happy that young girls now don't have to go through what she went through. Absolutely. Well done, Jill Scott. Just a reminder, the Arnold Clark Cup returns this week. England won the inaugural tournament last year. Don't forget, they kick off again on Thursday against Korea, Republic, Italy and Belgium, completing the team's live commentary on all three games across the TalkSport network as the Lionesses build up into the Women's World Cup. Molly, it's been a pleasure. I shall see you a lot over the next two weeks. Can't wait. I know, very excited. Thank you to Molly Hudson, Bradley Hayden, Serena Viegman, Jill Scott, Kay Cossington, producer Will and, of course, all of you as ever for listening.